0: that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There, you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Andrea Moss is an assistant professor of music education at the Crane School of Music, SUNY Potsdam. She holds a doctorate in music and music education from Teachers College, Columbia University, where she served as the Director of Student Teaching in Music. While in New York City, she worked for Music First, designing curriculum and professional development opportunities, integrating music technology in K-12 classrooms. She taught 15 years of pre-K to 12 public music education in general music, choir, beginning instruments, theory, and musical theater. These experiences, coupled with her research interests in musical expression, drive her to challenge students towards more meaningful musical encounters, prioritizing culturally relevant teaching approaches and flexible musicianship. Her work has been presented at the International Symposium for Music Education, the International Conference on Music and Emotion, the National Symposium for Research in Music Education, the Conkling Forum on Social Justice and Music Teacher Education, and the national ACDA research symposium in choral singing. Well, this week to start off our 2022 series of podcasts, I am so happy to introduce one of my favorite people walking the planet, Andrea Moss. So Andrea, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to be my first podcast guest of 2022.
1: Wow. That's an introduction. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure. And you know, I've been waiting for this, right?
0: Absolutely, I am. So, I'm really, really happy. We're getting this New Year's resolution, getting things started off right. So, um, uh, again, thanks for taking time. I know you're probably busy grading finals. So, uh, we're recording this in mid-December, probably right at the end of your semester. It's all good. All <laughs> right, so um, Andrea, um, you and I have known each other for at least ten years. Um, uh, we worked together at Teachers College, and then I had the absolute delight of having you on the Music First staff only for a short period of time. I knew you were a rock star and that you'd be moving on. Uh, you worked with our, you basically started our whole content area of the Music First Classroom. Uh, and then I remember the day uh, that you said you were, you were moving on to the to the world of academia. So why don't you tell us about, you have a really cool career path. So why don't you tell us about, hey, I, here here's how I got from high school uh, to Crane School of Music in like a five, 10 minute nutshell.
1: Okay. Well, you asked, so here we go. <laughs> um, well, so I was I was the textbook music ed major. I was a band kid, um, but you know I started. It really goes back to like I was a little kid taking dance classes, and I wanted to take piano lessons. My mom said we can't do both because we don't have that much money. So take, what do you want to do? I said piano lessons. I really want piano lessons. So. You know, I was a a piano kid and then in school wanted to play in the school group, so I took up the clarinet and I became a band kid. So then going into um, college, I was like textbook music ed major, Um, loved doing all kinds of things like playing in band, music theater, etc. Um, did that thought that I was going to teach high school band? Uh, I never taught high school band oh wow <laughs> so but my first job teaching um, out of college, I wound up moving to Vermont That's a different story for another day from Long Island. <laughs> um, my family moved there and I landed this great job in an elementary school in in Central Vermont and so uh, I took it as you do. Uh, it was pre-K through six elementary music, but I was like doing everything this little school, Um, general music, chorus, beginner band. um, They had this great program with the Vermont MIDI project with Sandy McLeod, who I know you love. Um, love, We can come back to that later. Um, So I did that for a while. And then I was teaching some private piano lessons started studying voice more seriously took some time off a little bit. To from teaching to explore music theater and do some acting stuff in the city, um, and then I there was an opening. Uh, in a middle school and high school back in central Vermont and I realized, actually, call me crazy, I really miss teaching. Mm,
0: yeah. <laughs> and
1: I sort of got my feet wet with a the musical theater thing, you know, pounded the pavement a little bit and said, Great, okay, check did that <laughs> done. <laughs> done with that I, I would like a job. Yep. <laughs> so um, um, I actually went back and took this great position, another school in central Vermont, where I was um, teaching middle school and high school chorus and musical theater. and music theory, things like that. And while I was there, I started my grad work at TC. And that's where our lives yep. connected. Um, so doing my grad work at TC, totally you know, turning everything I thought about teaching music on my head, on its head. Um, and while I was there, uh, I was working with student teachers in the New York City public schools doing um, that student teaching liaison stuff uh and also landed this great job with writing curriculum for this really cool company called music first (laughs) fabulous
0: thank you (laughs) Uh,
1: um which uh, again we can come back to that later but that i mean working with you all really totally changed like influenced my thinking about technology because I would say that I was probably the person who was like, I hate technology, I'm never (laughs) using it uh, ever again in my teaching. But I mean, like, so we've talked about this before, but I graduated from undergrad in 98 so that was like my first email address was like the address that i got when i started my undergraduate school like we didn't weren't doing email there was no internet right (laughs) you know so my use of technology i feel like i grew up with technology like as i grew up being a teacher um so that i think really just shaped all helped to shape all of this but while i was at music first it completely changed my perspectives about um, technology and music education. That was huge. Um, so anyway, um, while I was there, I you know did some adjunct gigging uh, at, in the CUNY system, Queensborough Community College, and had a great uh, visiting gig at the Aaron Copeland School for a year. That was fantastic, great people, great students. And then I landed here in Potsdam at Crane School of Music in fall 2018. So uh, half my time here has now been pandemic teaching.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know if
1: I covered all the things. Well,
0: but... what do you what do you do at, what's your um, job title or what do you do it at Crane? Such a great music school. I mean, there's like some really fabulous schools of music education in, in New York, Uh, Right now we'll focus on Crane and not talk about the others, but what's your role there? What's your gig? Who do you teach?
1: Uh, So technically I'm assistant professor of music education, Um, have sort of a unique position there, I think, uh, in that like two thirds of my gig are technically in music ed, but I also have an ensemble, which is technically in performance. Um, I mean... I would say nearly 85% of our students are music ed majors anyway. So right. I'm not sure what that division um, really means, other than it's just sort of different <laughs> department meetings. Right, oh, uh, <laughs> fabulous. Um, But I so I have uh, what started off as a large choral ensemble, which has now evolved into an eclectic ensemble, maybe more on that later. Um, And I teach general music practicum, I teach choral practicum, I work a lot with the the singers and the choral track students, but also do a lot of the general music stuff, which I love. I love that stuff. So um, that's, you know, those are my that's my course load. Primarily, I also work with the graduate program. Um, So I've taught like intro to grad studies and like creativity and problem solving like in small ensemble settings. That was fun during the pandemic.
0: I'm sure. (laughs) Goodness gracious. So you're teaching up there. I I visited you, I think once, once well, you know, pre-COVID times, um, I guess PC will now be the new um, AD. or post COVID and, you know, you, you, you get started, you're just like getting your roots into that program and wham. So what has the last, I mean, like, what, what are you like to yesterday, you know, were you teaching online or your kids in person? What is, what is the program at crane look like right now?
1: So we did three semesters. I was fully virtual, mm-hmm. um, this so, semester. all of
0: last year and like half of, of spring 20?
1: Spring 20, we went online, um, you know, March 11th. Right. Cuomo yep. called it, that was it. Boom, rest of the semester. Right. Uh, so, we you know, we had all, my students in practicum who, you know, it's like field experiences and teaching. So, they had taught about three lessons with children, and then we went online. Wow. um so all of that stopped right because um you know what do we do we teach music we sing and we work with children like the most illegal things you can right. do <laughs> illegal, during quote COVID.
0: unquote i love it <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that was awesome and uh so we did and then we did that for two more semesters but you know with like i thought it was going to be great okay now we can really plan for this um but it was you know, crazy, crazy. Um, But to a whole year, an entire academic year online, came back this fall, fully in person. Um, You know, had no idea exactly what this was going to be kind of pretending like everything is normal. Nothing's normal. I I have a four year old. So we spent like the first seven weeks in quarantine with me pretending going into school and teaching in person. It was crazy. but also, um, so we're in person, I'm in person with my students, large ensemble, practicum still needing to teach children, needing to teach children music and how to sing. Um, so we've been lucky in that we've been actually allowed to have children on campus.
0: Wow, wow. So, yeah, <laughs> which,
1: which kind of changed every, well, it helped a lot. Um, so we were allowed to invite children on campus, there were strict protocols, everybody's masked all the time on SUNY Potsdam campus anyway.
0: Right.
1: Um, so we we did that. Um, and it actually worked out really well. It was very successful. The choral program. Interestingly, I sort of gave my students a choice. Like, how do you how would you like to teach? I had no idea what they were going <laughs> to want or be willing to do. I mean, given The fact that children weren't able to be vaccinated all the things right 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 um so i wound up giving them the opportunity to either continue to do virtual teaching because we did that for an entire year we did choral practicum teaching kids to sing online we did general music practicum completely online students children coming to the the zoom room right um and actually it was awesome not gonna not gonna lie it wasn't you know teaching in person but they did great everybody did great and the kids were so fun ha- a blast and we had a great time so they we actually offered to the families um like that they could come in person or they could do the virtual thing and we wound up with equal numbers coming in person about 20 in person and 20 who still wanted to do like an online course class so i had like these two cohorts going <laughs> at the same time no, there's teaching. no
0: challenge from a from an from a pedagogical standpoint it right was,
1: <laughs> it was like a circus
0: yes i'm sure wow
1: <laughs> it was a circus but it was great fun circus
0: absolutely so so um the, 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 the question that I have for you, because I I do I haven't done it as much, unfortunately, um, during, the, during the pandemic. I've done quite, you know, some, but um, one of my favorite parts of my job is going around the universities and speaking to future music educators about technology, about music first, about life. Um, and in one of the, I did a um, keynote for the music ed students at Duquesne University and one of the students at the end said like what do you think our prospects are moving forward we've had such a terrible te- student teaching experience and you know what do you think and i was like i think you guys are prop- first of all i said you're all going to get jobs immediately because there's a huge number of teachers saying you know what i'm 57 and i don't like this anymore uh, i might take a you know a retirement maybe a little earlier than i had planned on i'm not a, i'm not ready to continue teaching on zoom um, but I also said that, you know, having dealt with this, which is really once in a lifetime for everyone, unless you're, a, you know, a um, you know, you're you're probably more resilient and prepared for whatever life and whatever the, the gig is going to throw at you. Now, if you can teach through this, you could do anything. I'd like your perspective. Like, what are your students feeling? And do you think they're more prepared, less prepared? Like, sending them out and you know for by the way for those of you that don't know where crane school of music you couldn't get any further away from new york city in the state of new york so it's all the way north um like the northest, northest west corner near the canadian border um just i just wanted to give that because you know that that also does affect you know the ability for kids to go out into schools um yeah. you're not like necessarily in the epicenter but what are your kids feeling? What do you think? Like, what's your if you looked at a crystal ball five years from now, how are your kids going to be doing?
1: Well, I mean, they're doing great. So like, first of all, like you said, there are tons of job openings. So just that alone is, is great. They're getting jobs every other day. Um, And, you know, some of them now have actually been in a new job for a year, you know, having taught like the first semester online, and they're incredibly successful. They're like, they, they made the transition actually pretty well. I'm not not gonna lie. I mean, the ones that were actually in, in practicum at first, like, they're freaking out, right? Everybody's freaking out, like their entire purpose in life seemed like it evaporated overnight, Overnight. right? You know, like, the first week or two, we went online, you know, they're like, Oh, my God, what, what is my purpose in life? I I don't know, I
0: totally get it. I can't
1: sing. I can't teach children, and they're gone, right? You know, so they had to do <laughs> kind of some really quick soul searching, and yep. um, like they dug deep into the philosophical stuff, like why am I doing this? Um, what is my job about? How do I even? What does it even mean to be a music teacher? But you know what? Because they did that, they were able to really ground themselves, and they were like, okay, I am supposed to care for children. To, by designing meaningful musical experiences. Can I still do that? Yes, I can. Do I am I going to use technology to do that? Yes, absolutely. Um, But like they just kind of did it once they decided, oh yeah, we can, they did it. So they started creating like these musical care packages because we didn't have at Uh first like any like, we didn't know what the heck was going on absolutely so like we weren't going to invite kids to a zoom classroom we weren't there so i said well what what can we do so they just started making like teaching videos and then we created this website and we posted these like teaching videos with these little activities that kids could do so that they could engage with them you know um at home while they were stuck at home doing you know distance learning Um, But they got so into that and realizing that they could still connect with kids and like engage them in music and do fun activities and that they were like caring for them in that way. That changed everything. Um, And like they do, they use digital tools all the time right? They're always using this stuff. So I said, great. What do you know? What can we bring in? And they said, well, I actually do these acapella arrangements for my acapella group. I, we write these cover songs. I said, great, let's do that. You know, let's take in some of the tools that, you know, let's find some other things. Um, so they made the transition really well. Um, as a result, they're really successful now, but honestly, going forward, I think it's, um, the fact that they had to make this work and they had to really be creative and imaginative and not just sort of like learn the surface level of how to use a tool. This is Sibelius. I'm right. going to learn how to you know notate things. They actually had to think about what is what does it mean to teach music with these tools? So they had to immediately, two days later, turn around and we had together figure out like pedagogically speaking, How do you use these tools to teach music how what tools are out there that could sort of expand the ways that we're thinking about chorus (laughs) for example you know and so they they had to do those things and as a result now they're like flexible they're curious they're not afraid to sort of fall down and fail and turn around and make it work they're astounding
0: yeah i mean you you know, uh, through, I, I've had this really, really interesting career that I absolutely love. I did 15 years in the public schools, I've now been teaching 23 years at the higher ed graduate level. And I, my day job is I run a huge music software company. So it's, just, mm-hmm. it's just strange, like my feet are in all these different worlds. But in my academic world at the graduate level. Uh, having taught at TC for so long, it has only been in the last two or three semesters, where pretty much everyone in my class already knows how to do a lot of the things I've been teaching, which is a challenge for me, because I always had this, like, I know more than you. (laughs) And so now when I like with my intermediate advanced class, I was like, "Uh, how many of you have made tutorial videos before? And in in 2019, zero hands went up, and this fall, every single hand went up and I said, oh, what have you been using? And they're like, oh, we use Final Cut Pro. I was like, okay, so I have to right. rethink what projects we're going to do because everyone <laughs> in the class has already done this. And it, to me, um, when I was, um, I was the president of ATMI maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe more than that, and we were trying to work with NASM to make sure there was a music technology component for an undergraduate music education degree and we, we were never successful and I don't think anybody trying ever will be um however you know the the the, the silver lining because I'm the eternal optimist is that this big pile of you know what that every single music education major was handed in March of 2020 um basically didn't have a choice you, you better learn how to use this or you're going to have zero experience before you get in the classroom so Do you think your, your students are better prepared, uh, with technology for the road ahead?
1: Absolutely. I mean, they're, I don't think they don't think of it as a thing anymore. Yeah. Right. So like I said, when I was young, I was like, I don't do technology. I don't want to use technology. (laughs) Like that's not even an option. Technology is not this separate thing for them. I don't think anymore. It just is part of their world. It's part of what they do. Um, you know, I think that there were people who, when this went down, they were like, we don't do this. Yep. <laughs> so yep. at first they kind of just balked and like stiff armed the whole thing. But I think they realized really quickly, like you said, then well, okay, then there will be nothing. Right.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, no, absolutely.
1: You know, and, and for those kids who were music ed majors, they were like, that's not an option. Um, what we, we can do this. Uh, And so now it's just part of what they do. So not only, not only are they like better, I mean, they're better prepared, but like even using, I found that using incorporating technology into their work actually like as pre-service teachers in these um, field experience courses where they were like, The rubber is hitting the road they're actually writing curriculum they're actually designing activities that they're going to then actually do with children, this has been key, um, and I think is like a really key part to you know how we're thinking about this like in music teacher education going forward like it's not enough just to sort of learn to like use the tools right. but like similar to like we did in in your class at tc no we're actually creating the stuff and um so though you know we were graduate students and so we were already in classrooms so we had an opportunity to use it and apply it these students are doing the same thing but as undergraduate students so they're building it into their work in their field experiences which is Amazing. So I never had that opportunity. So, you know, first of all, it didn't exist. But anyway, even if I had, (laughs) you know, three years ago, we weren't really doing that even at crane yet, you know, because we didn't really need to but now here we are. So they're incorporating the tools in their field experiences, using them. So they're getting to like their student teaching um, placements. And many of them have more experience than some even of their cooperating teachers, right? And so they're comfortable with it. They have confidence using it, which I think is like 95% of the battle. Um, And they're just, they hit the road, the ground running.
0: That's awesome. Um, So, you know, for listeners who are probably at this point tired of the word COVID um, and tired of me talking about it, but I do think there are a lot of lessons to be learned. Um, And one of the things I've been thinking about a lot lately is that a lot of teachers, and I'm sure you, and I'm sure your fellow faculty members, some of whom are also some of my favorite people up there at Crane, um, you know, we're kind of forced to use technology in in a almost survival mode uh, type use, you know, I, if I don't do this, I can't teach, Um, I have no choice and maybe Um, We're using things that they've never used, we're learning almost by, uh, you know, throwing them, throwing everyone in the deep end and figuring out how to use this stuff purely out of survival, rather than thinking of it pedagogically, wow, maybe I might be able to teach something a little differently using this tool. It was maybe, (laughs) maybe I need something right now so that I can teach. Um, for me, I've always been thinking that, that this is not really the way I wanted technology to be introduced to the masses um, by a, a kind of a survival mode uh, type thing. Um, but instead, you know, think about how this is wonderful. It can be a wonderful way to teach. And it can be, uh, like you said, a transparent tool rather than using technology. Is this I'm teaching and this is the way I'm teaching it. Um, the, what I've been thinking a lot about is what will people take away moving forward? you know, what software out there, what what tools, what hardware, I mean, I know for one, I would much rather be in your office up in Potsdam doing this interview than sitting here over Zoom doing it, right? I thought I, I pers- I'm sure you feel the same way. If they said, oh, you're going to teach another Zoom class this spring, your heart will sink. I don't want to do it anymore. Uh, but at the same time, there was a lot of technology that you may have been introduced to, your colleagues, your students that they go, holy mackerel, not only... <laughs> You know did this help me out during the pandemic i think this is stuff that i could use post pandemic and and the thing i tell everybody is that music first was not invented was not created for a pandemic it was created to be a you know a, a suite of software and content that teachers could use to enhance their instruction so we're hoping and this year has been really wonderful for us that a lot of teachers said yeah this stuff was actually pretty sight reading factory is cool I Mm -hmm. can use this with my students and, you know, I don't have to do it over Zoom, I can actually do it in my classroom. So I'd love to get your idea of like, what, what technologies do you think are going to be permanent now? And and what do you think will kind of fade away, hopefully, into the, uh, you know, the past? (laughs)
1: Um, Well, you know, yeah. So I think that there are probably going to be some people who are just like, get me back business yep. as usual. Yep.
0: I'm sure. No, we've experienced, I mean, you know, we had quite a few customers say, thank you for getting us through the pandemic. Really appreciate it, but we're going to go back to what the way we used to do it. And that's fine. Right. Um, but I, it, to me, I'm focusing on like, wait a minute, didn't you get how cool this stuff was? Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, so, okay. So some of the things that I feel like I can't let go of is like, all right. Um, the opportunity to collaborate on creative projects. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um students in like large ensemble. Honestly, the pandemic, like t- I told you that I have I had what was originally a large choral ensemble and that is now an eclectic ensemble. Right. Um it's because we turned that corner and like started we were using technology, we were using using Soundtrap. Some of the students like band lab better, whatever we can discuss. That.
0: <laughs> um,
1: but it was like the go to. How do we make music together? Period. Right. Um, so this is how we do it. We get online, we um, record our work, we share it. Well, they started becoming like really collaborative and they started having like a much louder voice in um, you know, what they wanted to study musically, how they wanted to study musically. So it just became kind of a launch pad for students to dig in and be creative and collaborative, like online. And so now they can do it absolutely anywhere. They can do it with each other. We can come into class and we can work together, but then when they're outside of class, they can work collaboratively. We don't have to be in the same room all the time. We can use, um, Flipgrid was like one of the coolest things. Absolutely. Getting online and sharing like they would get online and share some improvisation that they wanted to use in a conversation in a composition, right. And then like they would all be able to look at it, view it, listen to it, um, comment on it and you know, figure out how to work it in. They could share videos with people you know, across the pond. So like, this idea that you could post like these little clips of videos with these like musical ideas or um, asking people questions about you know the music of their culture and that somebody across the other side of the world could like just post a video and respond <laughs> to what um you, yeah you absolutely know. wild like I mean, you know, I mean, was this total was this impossible before the pandemic? No, I think a lot of these things were there, they but we're all there.
0: That's the that's the just funny bit
1: needed a nudge to like realize how cool it is. Um, but then like, Even I mean, from like, you know, the teacher perspective, just thinking about I mean, I know you've been thinking about technology and assessment forever.
0: (laughs) Yep. Uh, (laughs) You know,
1: but like this idea that, oh, yes, we can use technology to capture, you know, like what a lot of people might call authentic assessment, like artifacts of their work. So recordings, of course. Right. But like improvisation and video and like compile them into these e-portfolios, just these things that it's not like you said the pandemic didn't create this but it did create an opportunity for us to think differently about what we're doing and I think to ignore that stuff and like how much richer these elements are now and just sort of go back to everything the way it was before seems crazy to me um you know uh and like and the other thing is that like Oh my God, all of these creative tools that offer pathways for students who might have fewer experiences reading and writing notation, that's been huge. Yep. Absolutely huge. So there's like a doorway in for everybody, and you can meet your students where they are in like no matter what teaching setting you're in.
0: Yeah. That's great. Cool. All right. So I'm gonna take a take a turn and talk about um you know, what during the pandemic, you know, um, probably like every other music teacher in in the country and around the world, um, your, the the feeling of being with students, which is kind of why we do it, um, you know, in person, I know that I taught for three semesters or two and a half semesters completely virtually in my basement a uh, great commute, by the way. But um, other than exactly. that, I, I hate it. I, to be super honest, I hated it. The only thing positive uh, comparing now being back in person, I'm sure you probably feel the same way, is that when I was in my basement and I had all my students in little Hollywood Squares style boxes on my screen, I could see them. And now everyone's in a mask and I'm teaching in a mask and mm-hmm. and I'm all for it. But at the same time, it's not a lot of fun teaching in a mask, um, especially when you're there for four hours. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you know, breathing your own breath for for. for I'm sure you feel, the same. And, and you know, like how are your choral kids? Uh, you know, the, this eclectic ensemble that you have, are they singing in mass? Are they playing in mass? What's the performance? Um, you know, like.
1: Yeah, they're fully masked, um, and no, singing in a mask is awful zero I mean, fun it's it, for so many different reasons yep. um that all the coral people out there will hope, probably be nodding their heads with um you know it's really hard to teach vocal technique period um when they can't then, see your mouth
0: <laughs> it's like they how do can't you do see it? your mouth
1: but then there's a lot of restriction just physically too you know we tried the clear masks which are also weird and uncomfortable super weird you know so uh, you know, I don't know what to say. It's just, <laughs> that's, uh, not that's not fun. We'll be really happy about the day when we're when we're without a mask. But yeah, you're right. When we were on zoom, the beauty of that. Um, so uh, of course, the obvious horrible part was like, I couldn't hear all their voices together. Correct. And we didn't have that in person, like spontaneity of responding to each other's voices and listening to how we blend musically, but um, they were able to sing freely. Um, and they were able to experiment. Oh, and like this was really huge benefit. Right. So improvising singers. Yep. Improvising. Totally scary. Right. Totally freaking out.
0: Not um, when no one can hear you.
1: <laughs> but when no one can hear you. yep, exactly. And I'm like on the other side of the screen and I'm playing some like you know, a little asinato, some backtrack, some harmonic progression, whatever. And I'm like, okay, sing what you hear, practice. Nobody can hear you. There, I can look over there. I see all their windows and they're all jamming. And like, this is what started sort of the idea of the eclectic ensemble. I look over and they're, you know, silently improvising, but (laughs) I can see them engaged and they're like, laughing and they're like making music and then one of them's got like a drum another one's picking up for french horn the other one's got their electric bass and i'm like holy what wait a minute (laughs) you know so what are we doing here so being online and then eventually you know some of them would unmute and they would like take turns improvising whatever and volunteer that but they had the chance to sort of do that and build some confidence and um you know, wasn't quite so scary. So that was like one of those huge aha moments. How do I take that now back to like teaching in person? Like, what do I learn from that? Um, but you know, also not completely use the technology piece. So the eclectic ensemble, um, we're incorporating electronic instruments, uh, they are singing in person, some of the things are more traditional choral ask. Um, some of the the pieces that they're doing um they did a one group did a fully improvised piece with all kinds of instrumentation and singing and electronic music and stuff so it's been a blast
0: yeah i'm I, you know I'm, I'm gonna say something borderline heretical and then something a little scary and and this is a left you know a, a left turn that you weren't i i I didn't give you any warning for but there there to me just hearing you talk there's like a part of me that really liked the zoom part um because the mask part is not as fun as the, you know, when they said we're going to be back in person, to me, in my head, it's just like it was on in February of 2020. And now, you know, it isn't right, you know, having this mask and all these restrictions is not quite, it's like, uh, it's like duels near beer, it ain't it ain't the same. So it's like, there, there are parts of the zoom that I wish we could incorporate into lives so that kids don't have to wear their masks, but they can still be participating. And I can see them almost. And this is the left weird, you know, when I saw Mark Zuckerberg do his metaverse thing, uh, I am, I'll call it right now. I'm a hundred percent sure that at some point there's going to be teaching in that bizarro world. Uh, It's, it's actually the reason I quit Facebook on the dot on the spot. When I saw that I went, Oh God, we're going to be living in Wally and ready player one mixed together. Um, but I'm just, you know, just thinking out loud, and I'm sorry, I'm probably not going anywhere with it. If, if we could have that experience of being in the same room with our kids, but with the safety of the virtual, um, really, let's just get rid of this uh, pandemic so that we can go back to the way it used to be. Because I, to me, as, as excited as, as I was to start the semester, and I don't know how you feel, it, I don't really enjoy it. Um, because I'm not it's not really the same as it was. And I'm I'm hoping to get back to that. I'm, I, are you feeling the same? Am I crazy?
1: No, I think you're right. It's, you know, there's this weird sort of, I sort of mentioned this before, it's like, we're kind of pretending that everything is normal, yeah. but it's still like, not normal. Almost like
0: purgatory. Um, you're not You're, you're yeah. not in heaven, and you're not now. It's, it's somewhere in between.
1: Yeah. And so it just is like a little disappointing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. I just want to make sure I'm on the same. Anyway, yeah. um, Andrea, I mean, I, and I, if
1: I thought if I thought that my students wouldn't absolutely like murder me,
0: yeah, exactly. maybe
1: I'll think about maybe I'll think about this for next semester. But, you know, we do like now that we've done the online teaching thing. I mean, the beauty of it is that it has allowed us to be a little bit more flexible. Right. So my students don't we I don't, I don't know if anybody else. You know, I'm in a really fortunate position in higher ed. It's not the same in K-12 teaching, right? right? Let's be honest. You know, so I have the opportunity where I can say, look, everybody on Wednesday, we're virtual for whatever reason that is, you know, my kid is quarantined or my half my class is quarantined. Like we can still have class. you know, and we can do some really awesome stuff. Great. We're going to, or, you know what, we're like sick of wearing our masks. I want to see your faces. We need to do this work. Let's get online for a day. Let's get online for a few days. Let's do this. And then we'll come back together.
0: Yeah. It's funny. A teacher's college, they have this, if your class is in person, you have to be there in person, unless you're medically exempt. That's the policy at TC. Mm -hmm. But I've got a lot of students who are like, Hey, you know what? I've got a sick kid. Um, mm-hmm. Would you mind if I join virtually? I'm supposed to officially say, no, you have to be here in person. But I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, if there are four or five students who are medically exempt, why can't, you know, somebody who, like, we had a huge storm, Ida, Hurricane Ida, and students were like, I really don't feel comfortable driving in tonight. I was like, that's fine. You know, just join virtually. It's It's a really convenient flexible option it's not the same but it's I have right now in my graduate classes you know anywhere between four to eight students every class virtually and anywhere between 10 to 15 students in person this it's just strange you know I just can't wait to get back to quote unquote normal so I have two I have two last questions for you Andrea because I'm running out of time just looked at the clock um the first one is what advice would you give to either other in-service music teachers or pre-service music teachers who are thinking about technology and bringing it into their programs? Well,
1: everybody says, start small. Um, you know, yep. and I, I think that there's some there's some truth to that. You know, I don't think you have to overhaul everything that you do all at once. Um, I, um, but, you know, to think about if you've discovered some really cool new tool, think about how that might expand you know, or enhance what you're already doing in your classroom, Um, or you can be thinking about like what are some of the things that you wish you could do with your students um, that maybe you're not yet and and most likely there's a tool to help you do that. I mean, I can tell one really quick story about that maybe demonstrates it better so like okay years ago when sight reading factory first came out. Sight reading fact you know so i'm teaching chorus middle school high school chorus and we do like our you know obligatory sight reading at the beginning of every class um but like sight reading factory totally changed the way that i thought about sight reading and oral skills like in chorus class so i start using it for people out there who don't know it's like this online sort of it's a factory generates sight reading examples Um, you know, just sort of uses this algorithm. But um, the cool thing about it is that you get to select these different criteria, you know, for different like levels or, um, you know, what you want to be incorporated in the example. So uh, it like I started using it, projecting it up in the front of the class. So it allowed me to just start to differentiate, right, and like assess the students, so I could meet them where they are, I started allowing them to like select the criteria, or, you know, so now, I'm again, it's just meeting them where they are. They have a little bit more say in it, right? And it starts to generate these examples in class that specifically like address their particular needs. Okay, but then like, okay, so that that was cool, but then they started wanting to make their own. So then yeah. that like led us to start using no flight And they started composing their own sight reading examples and they would send them to me and then I would project them and we'd use those in class so now they're composing. Right and they're creating but they're doing it based on what they think that they and their peers can do successfully so now we're assessing we're composing I mean this is all you know the incorporation of this technology which completely changed everything I think about oral skills and sight reading and like all of a sudden the students want to do sight reading
0: weird. (laughs) Yeah,
1: weird. So I mean, you know, of course, then that started bleeding into everything else that we do did, but it started with just this one little nugget. Um, So I think that if teachers are open to that and the same goes for pre-service teachers, you know, start with something. But you have to actually they need the time. We all need the time. Um, Even veteran teachers, we all need the time to like work the technology into like our actual curriculum writing. Yep. You know, not just jam it in, but actually
0: think think about how can I
1: really use this in like a way that's going to make sense for me and for my students. Right. So like the free tools, the things that are cloud based and collaborative that they can all access, things that they don't have to download, um, anything that they can Used to be more collaborative and creative, that like takes down whatever other barriers you foresee, right? To them, yep. like making music. Those are the tools to run to. So, like Flipgrid, we ran to, we ran to Soundtrap, Miro Board, which is not a music technology tool, but Miro Boards or like um, Chrome, uh, Google Jamboard, yep. right? These like whiteboards, it's like, duh, it's an online yeah, yeah. whiteboard, but it became this space where you can like, post recordings and media and collaborate online and then get on Soundtrap to actually like record the thing. I just blew it apart. So start small. um, And you know, maybe incorporate one project or uh, something small at a time that you feel like you can you and your students can be really successful with but like really think about building it into your curriculum and like write the plan
0: and see how it plays out. Awesome. Great advice. Andrea, uh, my final question for you is when I ask everyone, and that is if you could wave a magic wand and make something happen that Music First or Music Tech in general can't do right now, what would it be?
1: Uh, okay, well, so for, first of all, just kudos to all, kudos to all of you at Music First because this is actually getting harder to answer okay. because you guys keep doing all the things that we exactly. keep asking for. Exactly. It helps us a lot. <laughs> so, I, so yeah, so this is harder to answer. Um, okay, my I have a small ask, and, and then a big ask.
0: All right.
1: <laughs> this, the small ask is like, I need like this online library of repertoire, like I need my I need like um, uh, music notes, you know, like on my iPad, right. but like right there, like tied to like sheet music direct, like I just want to like go directly, like with a subscription access like to the score so I can like get the the music right away. I don't know ah. if that's something that can like be built in, Ooh, you know, I like, like that. Just so like just pull have it a, up,
0: have a store connected to a digital music that would then populate your music first classroom.
1: Yeah, but like Ooh. super fast, right? Ooh. So that I'm not going and like buying and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I like no, it. No, click, click, open. It's on my iPad. It's on their iPad. I like that. Like instant. Oh, right. cuz like, uh, what are you doing in good, class? That's going right.
0: Uh, you know, your replacement is Marjorie Lepresti, as you know. And uh, I'm going to be talking to Brad and Marge about how we can make happen. They're rock happen. stars.
1: They're they going to make it happen, um, you know. So, yeah, because this is what I'm thinking. This is what my students were dealing with all semester. So, you know, so they're working with their students. What do you want to study? We want to write a cover tune. We want to cover blah, blah, blah. Okay. Uh, how do you get Great. There? Right. Right. So now another week goes by. They gotta like go online, they're gonna you know, spend that. But if in that moment they could be like, nope, we want it. there it is. Boom, click, We got it. Here it is. I love it. Let's do it. I so that's that's my small it. ask. Here's my big ask. I'm gonna go for gold. All right, right? go for it. <laughs> can you integrate collaborative video conferencing that uses low latency software so that we can make together music together in real time?
0: <laughs> so believe it or not, we worked on that and the mm-hmm. only way to do it effectively, um is to also own a piece of hardware yep i know Um, right and so uh, i won't i won't say the company um but amazing technology but it was about you know three hundred dollars a student for the exactly
1: well yeah and so i'll say where i got to from that like we of course like we explored all of these options right we had i have friends who are working professionally teaching lessons online and things like that you know like their their studio goes online so some of them got really into things like Sonobus and Reaper you know and yep. and like so gamers right are using some of this stuff so i think it's maybe out there in the future so
0: and- we we can do it right now it's just mm-hmm. that the the hardware need yep for like a band um, at $300 a kid, you'd be looking no. at $21,000 just for the hardware.
1: Exactly. So and it's the like, reason uh, why I didn't do it in my classes. I'm it's not
0: sure. So, uh, Until that. that becomes like a tiny little cheap thing that you can add on, like, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's a great idea, Andrea. Future. Awesome. Now, before I let you go, I just, I, I realized something very cool, fun fact. Uh, this is the first podcast I've done where I've interviewed siblings. Uh, so your darling sister Stephanie uh, was episode number two. Mm-hmm. Um, so Stephanie Wigand, uh, if you if for if you're a listener and want to go all the way back uh, to a couple of years ago, my second episode. Uh, what a talented family you have, Andrea. So uh, I wish you a wonderful Christmas, New Year's, and and a great end of your semester. Thanks so much for doing this podcast.
1: Thank you so much. This was really fun. Thank you. It's always a blast to talk to you.
0: All right, you take care, my dear.
1: Take care. All right, bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on.